Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry, and I will be your host this evening. I'm here with Mark LaRocco, excited as always. I sense some energy for this episode. Oh, yeah, I've got, I've, I'm raring to go. I've got a lot of things to say about, uh, well, a couple of movies. Not the big one that you saw, but a couple other movies. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't, you know, we always talk before we record these. But you never want to talk too much because you want it to be brand new for the episode, mm-hmm. right? So so I know a couple of the things you've seen, and you've kind of given me a hint as to how you feel about them, and I'm excited to see where they go. So first big movie, we're going to talk about uh, the new Avatar sequel. That's the one coming out this week. That's kind of the big, big flagship. This is one of the ones that a lot of people have been waiting for for all year. Uh, but there's a lot more to cover, too, because it's that time of year, and uh, we're leading into kind of the Oscar bait awards hopefuls uh i think even the golden globes didn't they just announce their nominees so so it's uh there's a lot of stuff going on um but yeah i think uh avatar is pretty much the big the big uh movie of the moment and uh i saw this one they had kind of a, a kind of an exclusive press screening for it um about a week ago about a week before we're recording this um over at the uh you know, Jordan Commons IMAX. And so uh, this was the first time in many, many years uh, since I have worn 3D glasses mm-hmm. in a movie. They uh, they had us go back old school. It's like it's 2009 all over again. And uh, they had us they had us wear the 3D glasses for Avatar. Av- it's not Avatar 2. It's Avatar The Way of Water, yeah. right? It, um, you don't use 2 anymore in movie titles or 3 or... It's just not, not cool. cool. Uncool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How about Roman numerals? What if it was Avatar II? You know, you, you don't see that either. Um, no. The... No. I guess I'm just completely I out of it. That. Anyway, yeah. It, so many of these these movies now are just, it's they name the movie and then you use a different word like Black Panther, uh, you know, Wakanda Forever or Top Gun Maverick. Right. And, um, sometimes yeah. when I see them stylized, I'll like you'll see a colon, a colon or like nothing. It'll just be a run-on sentence title or <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sure, sure. So now, if you if you've been following us for a little while and listening to our uh, listening to the Utah Film Pod, you may recall that I was not a big fan of the first Avatar, and you. I mean, would you call yourself a big fan no. or you, that you just liked I, it? I think I liked it fine. I, I think what my problem was, my experience with it was it was loud and long and headachey because I did the 3D uh, thing and okay. it was a, more just a lot of movie, more than I expected. And um, yeah. anyway, I mean, not, my wife and I, we saw it in 2009, okay. paid a lot of money, did the 3D thing like you did, and it was just extremely overwhelming. So I, I want to see it on a 2D screen but you you saw the way of okay. water in 3d it sounds like i did i did and see well i was gonna say i found it a little strange and maybe just kind of one of those life's painful ironies where because i was thinking maybe maybe it was danny who really liked avatar because i remember having a discussion about this a while ago and me being the one who was just kind of i just don't get this movie i don't get why people are so why this made so much money why it was so popular why people made such a big deal out of it 
And so I guess I guess compared to me, you guys like. Oh it yeah, better. no, I get. But but it sounds like you're still not like a. Well, a fan I guess I need to clarify. Like I did, I did like it, and I was astounded by the effects of it. And I, I think I understand why it did really really well um, and made a lot of money. Yeah. First of all, never doubt James Cameron. No matter what, even though he, I mean, he set several records in a row in the 80s and 90s of big budget movies of spending like the most that's ever been spent on a movie. And he always came through. Uh, the movies always made a profit. But those were good movies. Well, okay. But <laughs> even Avatar, I mean, you're probably in the minority by thinking it's not a good movie, like critically and, well, and box office wise. I mean, I it was maybe. Yeah. So maybe you're right. I mean, it's not, it's not that it was a bad movie. I just thought it was all spectacle and no substance and that the spectacle was really overrated. Mm. So it wasn't a terrible movie. I wouldn't call it a bad movie. I just don't see how on earth that thing made so much money because I could see, just like you said, I mean, I could see how it was popular, right? I get that. Fine. But the 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 highest grossing movie of all time at the mm-hmm. time it's been since you know since eclipsed that completely makes no sense to me um i mean yeah james cameron does have a of a way of you know bringing in big box office numbers and stuff i just i didn't think that avatar was anywhere close to you know terminator 2 man that one was so much better than <laughs> avatar anyway okay so enough enough setup um, so I did see Avatar 2. I did see The Way of Water. And I liked it better than the first Avatar, which, as we've established, is not saying a whole lot. Um, it still has some really annoying problems. And some of those problems seem to line up with your frustrations with the first movie. Um, first of all... It's it's like three hours and 15 minutes long, and no way does it need to be that long. It's way overstuffed. There are, there are plots in the movie that are subplots that are unnecessary, and there, for all of the good things happening in it, by the time you get done, you're just, at least for me, I just wanted to get out of there. Just please just end this movie. <laughs> So we can get on with my life. <laughs> I've got other things to do this week, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, so it's it, it's way longer than I think it needs to be. Um, the effects were really spectacular. I mean, it still to me falls on the side of this looks more like really good animation than immersive, lifelike CGI. Mm-hmm. But even as really good looking animation uh plus with the 3d you know factored Mm -hmm. in it really is a spectacle and it it really is something that is cool to see um would have been perfectly cool to see for two hours instead of three hours and so uh it's it's not enough to carry it you know i don't know maybe maybe to me it's it's a little bit like the zion narrows have you ever hiked the whole Narrows? I um, I don't know if I have, actually. I've hiked down there, but I don't know if I've done the entire Narrows. Okay. Because I've, I've done... 
I've done the Narrows twice. So th we're putting the Utah on the Utah Film Pod mm -hmm. today. Um, so the Zion Narrows about 16, 17 miles top to bottom. And I've done the entire route twice. The first time I did it as a Boy Scout, and we camped out halfway down. So we did it over two days. The more recent time as an adult, I did the whole thing in one day. And after about a third to a half of it, I was just sick of it and just wanted to be done. <laughs> and it was this really, really cool, you know, incredible red rock, yeah. you know, towering walls and stuff. But after a few miles, it's just, okay, we're still going. We're still going. And, you know, the water conditions weren't very good because you're hiking through a river, you know, and stuff. And like with, with Avatar, it's kind of like, yeah, this looks really cool, but two and a half hours, two hours and 45 minutes in, you're not thinking, oh, this looks really cool. It's like, oh my gosh, this is still going. And it looks like they're still going to like, they still haven't got to the climax of this movie yet. So, so, so too much. Yeah. The, the, the visuals are cool, but to me, they're not enough to carry the whole thing. So it's the story, like, here's what I don't understand when people complain about length. Some people will sit down and watch, they'll binge watch TV for hours or watch four or five episodes in a row and never complain about length. And so, what is it besides the length of the movie? Because you've seen three movies, right? You've seen three-hour movies you really loved, or three-and-a-half-hour movies. I've it, seen four-hour movies that I okay, really loved. Okay, so is the is it just the story? Is it the characters? Is yep. it the thinness of... What's what's wrong with it? Uh, yes, yes. All of that? Okay. Uh, yeah. No, and so, so I didn't really give the backup, so... So Way of Water starts a few years down the line from the, the events of the original film. And the main character, whose name escapes me at the moment, has now settled down. And he's, he's had some children uh, with his... So, so he is the guy who had the Avatar. So he was mm -hmm. the human who, you know, uh, Beca became, because of damage to his yeah. body, mm -hmm. he became Navi. like a... His, his, his Navi Avatar became like his permanent mm -hmm. life... Yeah meat bag or whatever <laughs> i don't know how to put it and and so so he is now like gone fully into the the navi culture uh they ha have a few kids um and things have been pretty good but the you know the sky people or or, or whatever they call them the, the humans have returned and and they've they've come because you know due to kind of like th it's a lot of the kind of the usual stuff that you hear from other sci-fi movies where, well, the earth is going to be destroyed. And so we need to find a new place for all the humans to go. And, and so, so that's why the humans have come back and they're causing trouble, but they specifically are targeting now. Okay. I think this is going to drive me nuts until I can actually use his name. So while, while you're looking for his name, let me remind yeah. the people at home in the first movie, um, the the mineral that the U S was trying to mine. Sully. Well, yeah, Sully. Sully. is unobtainium <laughs> so i don't know is there any unobtainium un unobtainium in this movie no okay. so yeah the, so the 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 first movie like you said they were after the element the second movie it's more just they need a place to live well like colonize or well even that's kind of a loose excuse because more of it has to do with some kind of so you know the the main bad guy in the first movie gets killed by the end of the movie mm -hmm. right the Stephen Lang is the actor and 
somehow his DNA gets imprinted onto a new avatar. And so he's actually leading a group of other kind of mercenaries to track down Sully. So Sully's the main guy. Sam Worthington yeah. is, is doing the voice again. And, and so they kind of open up with the idea that, oh, well, the humans are back because they want to inhabit the planet. But it's really just about chasing down Sully and getting revenge for what he did in the first mm. movie. Because he betrayed his human kind. And so it's kind of like the Wrath of Khan and Space Seed. Oh, <laughs> not even close. That's, that's just offensive, Mark. I can't believe you bring that up. So, so after some initial skirmishes, and it becomes clear that, that Sully and his family can't live with the rest of the, the Navi or they're going to endanger them, they take off. And they eventually relocate to to join another group of kind of native inhabitants that are more of like a seagoing people. So they live on the seashore and they actually have like their tails are different and their their hands are different. And they like they've evolved to be able to be kind of they're almost like Aquaman's mm -hmm. people. Right. And so. So they join up with them, and of course, you know that, well, that's not going to last forever because eventually the bad guys are going to track them down. And, and that's really the crux of the story is, you know, this, this some DNA clone spinoff version of the original bad guy is trying to hunt Sully down. And, and there's just, you know, it's not a real, there's not a whole lot to it. There's not a whole lot to these characters. And, and so to stretch it out, they kind of bring in things that are just not necessary. There's, there's a whole weird subplot that seems to be about whaling because there's some kind of an equivalent to like your humpback whales mm. on the planet that are not whales, but there's something kind of similar. And, mm. and I don't know, it's just, it's just too much. And, and I think if they had done this thing in two hours, it still would not have been one of my favorite movies, but I would have felt a lot more positive about it because this one just feels bloated mm. and and overstuffed. Um, but uh, so that, I think that's what I would say is that it would be a perfectly good movie at two hours. Not a great movie, but a perfectly good one. And at its current length, it just feels overindulgent. And you know, I I could totally see. I was I was talking to a couple of friends last weekend that I got together with and to have dinner and they both seem to be pretty big avatar fans. And I think they they'll probably enjoy it just fine because I think if you enjoyed the first one, if you really kind of were excited by that world and those characters, uh, this is going to be more of the same uh, along with, you know, improved effects, you know, cause you can tell that it's, it's very up to date and very, very sharp and visually. And, um, but the problems I had with the first one, I still have with the second one mm. and, so, so, so here's yeah. the question. I mean, if it's is your it, thing. Is it worth seeing in the theater? Because, I mean, this is one of the most expensive movies ever made. James yeah. Cameron reportedly said in order for it to make its money back, it needs to be like fourth or fifth all time, which is just insane to me. Yeah. But uh, yeah. is it worth seeing um, or no? If, if you're going to see it at all, I would say see it in the theater because it is – you know it is very specifically meant for that experience and i'd, I'd say you know the, the 3d thing i i hate wearing the stupid glasses i hated wearing them 10 years ago i hate wearing them now but 
it does there there is a, a an effect mm-hmm. right it does it does make a difference um if you're going to experience it i would experience it all the way yeah. um if you wait and watch it at home even on a nice flat screen i think the three hours plus is going to feel even longer <laughs> okay because it's just because the the thing to me that carries it is that even though I never felt like I was immersed in it, like I never I never felt like I was lost in the reality of this world because it just looks too just too alien, you know, and the the Navi people. Yeah, the CGI is pretty good, but they're like eight feet tall and weigh about 120 pounds they just don't look realistic and so this this is it looks yeah. like you know and with the with the bright colors and stuff there's nothing about that that make that makes me suspend my disbelief um but i can still acknowledge that oh this is a really amazing cool thing that you've done on a computer i don't buy into it in that way like i might buy into like when they did the like uh, I think it was the new jungle, the new Jungle Book from a few years ago, where the entire thing was CGI. Mm. Like it wasn't just the animals and and stuff; it was the entire jungle environment, and you could lose yourself in it because mm. you didn't, you weren't conscious of the fact that oh well, this is very different and alien. Avatar is is like that, and so it looks cool, but you yeah. know. I wonder if it, you know, because when you're aware of watching a, like a fantastical world, like, you know, like a, an avatar type movie, and that seems to be what 3D is made for. What if they made a 3D movie that was just straight human drama, like, but you're involved, you're in it, like you feel like you're in the room with the characters and maybe, maybe that would actually work almost like a play, maybe. Um, I don't know. That might be a concept we'll, we'll see one day. Yeah, no. And, and that. You know, I mean, it, I think it would be hard to justify paying a lot of money yeah. for the premium for for that as a premium. That's true, but it might achieve more in terms of being immersive than in some of these others. Well, I think a movie like Top Gun Maverick or the next movie similar, like in that vein, that would be a cool three D experience. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, maybe that's a perfect example because because Maverick. You know, that was in 2D, and it felt real the whole mm-hmm. time. And and I think it was. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're they stuffing IMAX cameras inside the cockpit of yeah, a jet. that's right. They're... And you're just going to get an effect with that that you're not going to get with the most incredible CGI on the mm-hmm. planet. And and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to just harp on this thing all the time. It's just they make such a big deal out of it yeah. that I just yeah. – it just – kind of kind of irks makes you. me want to push yeah. back and say you know this is well yeah, so what's I mean, your star just, what's your star rating? do you know yet like what you i don't know i mean i almost i almost don't even want to give these things star ratings anymore because i was never really very happy with just like the four star range mm-hmm. you know i kind of want to I want to come up with some kind of a new scale that has to do with you know, like, okay, this is something you should see in the theater. This is something that you should watch when it streams. This is something you should buy for your collection. This is something you should get out of the $5 DVD bin at Walmart. You know, like there's, I want, I still want to come up with some different way of interpreting yeah. this because it seems like, it seems like everything falls into like this two and a half, three star, you know, I, I, a movie has to be really, really bad to get really low, like a one star. 
But then there are only a handful of movies every year that I feel like giving like three and a half or four stars to. And again, I can't, I can't say Avatar, I can't say Way of Water is, is a bad movie. It's just an overindulgent movie. And so here again, it's like winding up at two and a half because I can't, I can't say it's, it's bad. Don't waste your time. I mean, it's, it's kind of a cool spectacle. Just bring a sandwich. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I well, maybe another another. I'll reason, be. I will be interested to hear what you. Maybe think. another reason I to will. watch it at home, though. Like pause it halfway through. Go get. Go eat. Go to the bathroom and then finish it or something. Yeah. No, and and see again that would work if not for the fact that one of the only things that felt worthwhile and distinctive about it was that the three D, you know, effects were really quite remarkable. It, not enough for me to carry the whole movie, but I have to give credit where credit's due. I mean, those those effects were were cool, yeah. you know. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's enough to to start a a new rebirth of of C, of three uh, D movies. I really hope not. <laughs> but in this in this case, like I say, I think if you if you have an interest in seeing it, you would definitely want to go see it in three D in the theater. Um, if you're already a fan. I think you'll be able to enjoy it at home on your, on your own TV. But if you're kind of skeptical or half in half out, or just kind of a casual fan, I think the only way to do this is to kind of, you know, go the full, the full Monty, Mm -hmm. if that's an appropriate (laughs) description. But, uh, I don't know. Any, We'll, we'll talk more about it when yeah, you see it. I'm I don't want to talk about it, way of life. I think I'm going to. No more I'm Avatar in the theater, so maybe I'll I'll have some thoughts to share at a later episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in the meantime, I do have something that uh, that you are ready to report on. Correct? You, yes. Uh, you have at long last gone to see a movie that we discussed earlier this year, and uh, and now you're going to weigh in with your. Two, three, maybe four yeah. cents. Well, on I, I yes, I did. I, I saw it here at home, so I didn't technically go ah. to see it. But I, we we red boxed it, and I I heard you use the word overindulgent a couple times uh, in the your review of Avatar. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a movie. This is the moviest. I, this is Baz Luhrmann at his finest. And for those of you who okay. aren't familiar, Baz Luhrmann did Romeo and Juliet, the DiCaprio version from the nineties. Oh, it's it's is it Romeo plus? You're right. Juliet? I think it's called Technically. William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet. William Shakespeare, which is so funny to me. By Baz Luhrmann. Who else wrote Romeo and Juliet? Just call it Baz Luhrmann's <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, like Lee Daniels the Butler or something. And so uh, Moulin Rouge from 2001, uh, The Great Gatsby yeah, yeah. from a few years ago. Uh, I, I I know he made other movies, but to me these are kind of the highlights. These are the three. Um, some some people might know. Strictly Ballroom. Oh, Strictly Ballroom. That's an I earlier. That, uh, I think. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was his first main yep. feature. My mom really liked that one. I think my sister might have liked that one a bit. Um, the first one I saw was Moulin Rouge, yeah. and that's that's the one I still kind of go back yeah, to. Yeah, the first one I saw was Romeo and Juliet, and that was a theater experience for me in around like '96 or so. And yeah, Moulin right, Rouge right. was amazing. Um, that was that was a trip. Uh, the uh, that's the <laughs> first time I'd ever really seen. And I know it had been, been done before, but like a musical with with new new songs, but they just stuck them in the 18, yeah. 1899 or whatever it was. 
and um, and then there's all those medleys where they just take a lot of new songs and um, uh, you know like Elton John it, it was great uh, it was I liked it a lot so anyway but we're here to talk about Elvis and yes uh, so it's very uh-huh. his directing style you know how sometimes we use the word minimalist like uh, for certain types yes. of directors he's a maximalist he is just bombastic loud fast-paced the camera's always swooping around going in and out of things um extreme close-ups and 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 even the movie not and that's just like the the camera work for example and editing and some certain montages in the movie but the storytelling style is it's very highly subjective so this is kind of told from the point of view of the notorious manager of elvis colonel tom parker right and he and he's trying to almost defend himself against claims of financial abuse which is which he doesn't really successfully do but then this is boz lerman (laughs) telling colonel parker it's probably not meant right it's not meant to but this is boz telling colonel letting uh telling colonel parker's story of elvis at the center of it which Mm -hmm. kind of makes me wonder how they chose the title elvis I, i really I feel like it should have been called Elvis and the Colonel or, 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 or something different. But anyway, um, I, one of the complaints that you, you hear often about biopics is how do you choose when you're telling a life, the life of somebody, but you're trying to do it in a couple hours, three hours. I mean, how do you choose what to include and what to exclude? Um, and, and I think you kind of hit, a, hit the nail on the head in your review about how it's sort of surface level um, on yeah some of the big events in Elvis's life because it really does try to cover his entire career in two hours and Mm -hmm. 40 minutes. So I don't, you don't go to this movie and that's the thing you you need to like, really, you should know you don't go to this movie to learn all of the, the facts and details and, and really get in depth and dig into Elvis's life. This is, this is a, a show, a showman's, uh, I don't know, showboating kind of entertaining, sort of glorification of some of the highs and lows of, of his life. Yeah. And anyone who's even remotely familiar will, will have already known some of this at least. Um, it's, I found it incredibly as much sadder than I thought it would be for all that I'm talking about how, mm. the, you know, the camera style and, and, uh, this, this hyper formalistic, uh, Boz Lerman directing style. It's not a happy movie in, in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and he his life was quite tragic, which I guess is not unusual for superstars um, that often get addicted to fame and have substance abuse problems and are used by people around them, even people within their inner circle, because um, all they want to do is just please the people, you know. And I'm even reminded of, mm-hmm. of you know, one of the funniest people on earth, Robin Williams, who committed suicide just a few mm-hmm. years ago, you know, in the last eight or ten years. And... Um, a lot of the famous rockers and, and celebrities and they don't commit suicide sometimes, but they, they live a lifestyle that leads to an early death. Um, Well, and you'd have to, you'd have to argue that, you know, Elvis is pretty much the template for that. Kind of the first one. Yeah. Live live fast. I mean, he, he wasn't the first one to die, but because he was the first rock star, he really was the first one and the, the biggest one who had this, you know, chaotic, meteor, meteoric 
rise and fall and rise, you know, because he, he went away during mm-hmm. the time in the military. And then, you know, he had the period in the sixties where he's making these crappy movies and everybody writes him off and he has to come back in 68 and all this. And so I, I think that he would be an appropriate choice to really kind of set the, you know, set the mold for the, the modern rise and fall of the rock star. Yeah. You know? I, I guess I guess what I you know and maybe maybe this feeds into kind of your take on it. I want to get back to what to your reaction, but as you're describing this, and I'm thinking, okay, because I, I 100% agree. I felt like I got a taste of a number of different things that Elvis experienced over the course of his career. I don't feel like I got a lot of the depth and detail that like a documentary series. You know, this is what, this is what we we're talking about. Yeah. You know, several months ago, and. I don't see any problem with the filmmaker having the goal to, okay, instead of give you a detailed breakdown of his life and career, I want to give you a sensory experience that embodies who this person was, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I kind of debate with this movie is – Walking away from the movie Elvis, do I feel like I experienced what it was like to see Elvis? Or do I walk away feeling like I just experienced Boz Lerman, who happened to be making a movie about Elvis? Yeah, I, I think you... Was was that Elvis we just experienced or was that Boz I, Lerman? I would say it. I mean, I, I'd say Elvis because... Even though I, I complained a little bit, I guess, about the style of the movie, and, and maybe it's not so much as a complaint as a recognition that movies are different from books, and even movies like this, biopics, are different from documentaries. And we we don't really go to these things for facts. We maybe we go to them for feelings. You know, like we yeah. don't go pay you know eight bucks to, or whatever it is, ten, twelve dollars to go to a movie theater just to learn something. Um, and so I had a good experience watching this movie. I did enjoy it. Um, yeah. I, I recommend it. And and I, I guess we actually really didn't even get yet, at least for me, to the highlight of this movie, which is Austin Butler. Um, I was just, like, entranced. I mean, I was so into that performance. Um, I paid attention to it. I watched it with my wife, and I kept remarking all the little things he did, all the little snarls and... The, not only was his accent, I feel perfect from what I've heard, because I've heard of, you know Elvis's voice, and we'll talk uh, in between songs, and then and it is, uh, you know, there's uh, near the end of this movie, they have a clip of, of you know, sort of a press conference with Elvis, and then also it's the actual voice itself. It's both the accent and the voice and the low tone, and I just thought it was so good. And you know, he doesn't, of course, look exactly like Elvis, but he looks enough like him that you're fully convinced. Um, and, and they actually conveyed this, the early stages in the fifties all the way up until, you know, right before his death in 1977, where he looks a little bit bloated and he's not doing too well physically and he's still just performing his heart out, but he, he looks quite different. And I, and the, it was pretty much a gradual transformation. You know, it wasn't like raging bull where suddenly Jake LaMotta is 50 pounds heavier and like, Oh, wow. Robert De Niro took a few months yeah. off and just ate, you know, a <laughs> gallon of ice cream every day or whatever he did. Um, I mean, it's it was gradual, and so I think he's probably the front runner for to win the Oscar. Um, 
he Probably he did get a Golden Globe nomination. nomination. Yeah, I think he'll win he? that. Partly yeah. because you get yeah. a, more chances with the Golden Globes. They divide it up into comedy. Yeah, right. um, the subgenres. What is it? Comedy, musical, and then drama. And that was the other thing I didn't understand. It's, it is quite dramatic, but it's full of songs. And... Uh-huh. There's there's a few funny parts. I probably would have put it musical, but it was it's nominated for drama um, in the Golden Globes. Yeah, I would think drama would be most appropriate. Maybe it's the most appropriate, but it's definitely. I mean, that's how Baz Luhrmann is. That there's just music all throughout uh, his movies, and this is yeah. about a musical icon. So, and and quite a you know talking about putting you in sort of you know do you experience Elvis through this movie. There's so many close-ups of his pelvic thrusts and his swaying hips and his feet, you know. <laughs> and, and I love it because what they do is they'll show him just, you know, doing doing all of his gyrations, which are basically illegal for, you know, uh-huh. according to the movie. Um, and then they show the reaction of, of the girls in the crowd. And it reminds me of that early Beatles footage you see of how girls sure. react to the, to the Beatles in, in those early 60s concerts where it's just like they've never experienced anything like this and they'll never they'll never you know be be that happy again in any other context of their life um and and that's how this movie is was that was the peak i mean that was that's the peak sadly um and it's it's interesting too because that's rough it's around the same time you know the beatles got really big in the early 60s i guess a little bit after elvis did but um elvis would have been i guess mid 50s mid to late 50s when he started hitting yeah um, right, right. So they were almost 10 years okay. apart. But yeah, yeah, so, and I see you, I mean, you've got Elvis right there in the background of... of yes, yes, you, I uh, do. <laughs> so you did recommend this movie, right? You just didn't, you felt like... Yeah, was... oh yeah, no, I I would definitely, I mean, I feel much more positive about recommending this as a whole mm-hmm than I would Way of Water. Yeah. Even though I recognize that a lot of people will enjoy Way of Water. And so I think that, you know, if you find, if, even though I have some real annoying annoyances with it, I can still recommend it with a lowercase mm-hmm. r. Whereas Elvis is something that I feel more like, okay, well, front to back, this is, this is a better movie. And even though there are things that I wasn't crazy about, they weren't deal breaker type of yeah. things. And, and I, I honestly can't even argue that they should have been there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I think that a very stylized portrait of Elvis is a perfectly good objective for a movie. Mm-hmm. And, and even with like the over the top style, I think that the story is so much more interesting than something like wave. I mean, comparing these two movies is, you know, even beyond apples and oranges, but well, uh, I mean, it's maybe it's not because like they're both up in the Golden Globes. I mean, th- these are two of the movies we're talking about today, and actually the third movie we'll be talking about. They're all awards bait. Um, they're all mm-hmm. going to be nominated. I mean, Avatar is also nominated. It's interesting to me when when the Golden Globes come out. There's always a movie that's nominated that nobody has seen. The the voters, I guess, have seen. <laughs> Because now we do all the releases overseas and then they come to the U.S. a week or two or a month later. But I'm like, I read the nominations and I was just thinking, that hasn't even come out yet. Like, I haven't even had a chance to see Avatar. And, oh, yeah. it's up for oh, like yeah. four Golden Globes or whatever it is. Right. Um, well, I mean, a lot of them are just, you know, if it if it runs for a week or in two LA, in New York, New York and L.A., yeah. that's what qualifies it. So, yep. 
So yeah, the uh, the the brains behind the Utah film pod are always going to be at a disadvantage that way. But, <laughs> well, uh, I, I would yeah. see Elvis again. I mean, I I think just for that performance and to hear the songs again, like it's it's worth it's even worth a rewatch, you know, down the road. Um, but yeah, that was good. Nice, cool. Well, um, so. I have been watching a lot of movies recently, um, certainly much more than usual. Uh, we're getting ready to do the Utah Film Critics Association vote. We do a vote at the end of every year. And in order to vote in a uh, thorough and uh, educated manner, I've been watching several movies over the last week and a half to kind of get caught up on some things and to flesh out my ballot. And I'm not going to review all of them here because that would be way too long and some of the movies I don't think are really worth spending that much time on. Uh, but maybe just at a... You want me, you want me to read the yeah, list? Yeah, I want to hear what you've seen. Okay. So, and I will, so there's one of these that both of us have seen, and this one we're going to spend a little more time talking about. So I'll leave that to the end. Um, I watched The Outfit, which came out earlier this year, but I heard some good things about it and I had missed it. And so I decided to see it, which was pretty good. Mark, uh, Mark Rylance. It's kind of a uh, little bit of a mystery drama type thing set in the 50s in Chicago. Apollo 10 and a half. Oh. Um, I watched that one because I needed to uh, see some some animated features, and that one was really fun. Uh, Richard Linklater, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. This is this is basically kind of like a fictionalized nostalgic trip through the late 1960s, being a kid, and it's an animated form, and it has to do with the space race. Uh, women talking is kind of an ensemble piece about a group of women in a uh, kind of a religious group who are trying to determine how to address a uh, an abuse problem uh pretty good uh fire love fire of love is a documentary that's on available on disney plus right now it's about a pair of volcanologists who people who study volcanoes mm -hmm. and uh their passion for the fiery depths of the earth um I had to see some foreign films. I hadn't seen a lot of foreign films this year. So I saw Hit the Road, which was this cool movie out of Iran about a family that's trying to uh, help their son, their oldest son, escape the country. Broker is a South Korean film, I believe. It's really quite a quite a gripping story about, uh, well, I guess technically it's human trafficking, but it's more about like if if abandoned children uh being like sold to uh aspiring parents who don't want to go through the traditional adoption system so it's so that's why i say i think i think technically it's trafficking but it's not the kind of trafficking we usually hear mm -hmm. about um really interesting movie emancipation was the one about will smith um uh during the uh, civil war uh kind of getting getting away from slavery everything everywhere all at once uh, michelle yao um this one is getting a lot of attention and is probably going to be one of the big award hopefuls um not even sure how to briefly describe this one but uh it was it was pretty cool moon age daydream documentary about david bowie uh decision to leave was another foreign film that i watched that was um about uh it's kind of another kind of a murder mystery type of type of thing kind of a murder mystery slash romance 
that uh, kind of a cool vibe. Another another one from South Korea, I believe. Good Night Oppie it was the documentary about the uh, um, not the probe, the what do they call the little thing that rolls the rover? Yeah. With the rover on Mars. Um, that one I believe is on Amazon Prime right now. And then there's Guillermo, Guillermo, oh, that Del Toro guy. <laughs> How do you say his first name? Guillermo. Guillermo. Yeah. Guillermo Del Toro. His Pinocchio is, uh, I think, should be on Netflix soon if it's not already. And uh, saw that one as an animated feature. A couple more I'm going to be watching over the course of the week before we have our final vote. But uh, yeah, so quite a quite a variety and some. Some good movies. I mean, we'll we'll talk about more this more in a couple of weeks when we kind of go over our best of the year. But so, could you say uh, now? I don't know if you're even ready, but out of all those you just named, are there one or two that you're like for sure go see? Kind of because I I can think of five that I definitely um, on my list. Five of those you just named are ones that are clearly five of them. on my watch list. I just haven't got to yet. Um, which is Fire of Love, Apollo Ten and a Half. Park Chan-wook's decision to leave everything everywhere all at once. And I do plan to see the Pinocchio one, even though there were two Pinocchio movies this year. I've already seen part of one of them. Right. But um, uh, de- Decision to leave, I would definitely... Like, if you like foreign films, mm-hmm. Decision to leave and Broker are both quite good. And Hit the Road, oh, too. Okay. Like, I, I did I did genuinely like all three. They're, they weren't my favorite foreign films. Yeah. Um, I get the feeling that a lot of what I saw this year is just kind of the best of an okay year, not so yeah. much just really great movies. Um, the outfit was fun. I mean, I don't know that there are any of these because because honestly, so so another one that I started and did not finish was a movie called White Noise. Oh yeah, uh, Noah Noah Baumbach, mm-hmm. I think, that did works. it. And, you know, I just kind of got about 15 minutes into it and just really didn't like the style and kind of the, the atmosphere and the pacing yeah. of it. And so I just thought, well, you know, if I'm watching these things so I can come up with a, a ballot, I don't think I'm going to be voting for this one for anything because I'm just annoyed by this movie. Oh, okay. And I don't know. I, I guess the best thing to do might have been to give it more of a chance. But, but these other movies I felt a lot more positive about. Um, and then, uh, but then there was one that I haven't mentioned yet that I think both of us, uh, would put pretty high on our lists regardless of the year. Um, Banshees of Inishirin is a new film from Martin McDonough, Mm -hmm. the, uh, he's a guy behind, uh, in Bruges. In Bruges a few years ago. And then he did another movie called uh, was it Three Billboards outside of was it Ebbing, yes. Missouri. I can't, I'm trying to remember where yeah. it was. Um, so, yeah, so he's been around for a while. And he brings back the the main two actors from In Bruges. He's, you got Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. And this time they are set on just this little uh, fictional island in Ireland. And it's like the 1920s. A uh, very, very small village where everybody kind of knows everybody because there's only like two dozen people in the whole place. And these guys have been lifelong best friends until one morning when Brendan Gleeson just decides he doesn't want to be best friends anymore. 
And it just comes across as like this arbitrary thing, although he has some more justified reasons. I think he eventually kind of comes out that he wants to be spending, you know, doing more with his life than sitting around just shooting the bull with this chat, chatting with a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He's, he's so, he's so insulting. It's not even just, (laughs) Oh, I want to do more with my life. It's that, you're not worthy of me. Yeah, you're not worthy <laughs> you know, of my you time. Are, I just, you're just, you're kind of thick. You're not very bright. I just bright. don't like you no more. And so, <laughs> right. And so this completely crushes Colin Farrell. He he comes across, his character is so sweet because, you know, you can just see this poor guy's world just kind of crumbling in on itself because he he really just kind of appreciated the simple things and the, the, the friendship that he had. And so, so this happens at the very beginning of the movie. And of course, they're on this small village in this small small island, and so there's really no way for them to kind of break up as best friends without having continual friction and interaction and encounters. And that's the the movie basically follows the unraveling and and the the magnification of you know, it just, it goes from bad to worse. It starts yeah. off as a bad thing, as a sad thing and gets worse and worse. And then at a point which we can't describe because there's no way I would want to spoil this. At one point, the movie really does kind of d- dial up to 11. Yeah. And, and what I, I mean, I love, I, I recognize a very familiar charm to this movie that I see in a lot of kind of smaller indie movies that are just kind of having a good time with some, some fun characters and an interesting story. And they're not really worried about budgets and making big bucks, you know? And so it, there's a, there's a lot of just the, the nuance of the human spirit and the foibles of the, of, you know, humankind. This movie explores a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of goes off the wall a little yeah. bit and, Again, I mean, there's no way there's no way to talk around it. Really, it's just uh, escalation. That's what I was, that's the word I was looking for before. Is es- things escalate, mm. and uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll pass it over to you at this point yeah. because I mean that's the basic crux of the movie is these these two friends break up and then things just go from bad to worse. Now, if you think about it, but but that doesn't but that's not sufficient. Right. Yeah, you know? the elevator pitch of this movie is actually really simple right it's as you described it it's it's two lifelong friends one of whom suddenly decides for reasons that may not be good enough to the viewer and certainly aren't good enough to the other guy that he doesn't want to be friends anymore and you know in one of the yeah. first scenes and you see this in the trailer you know Colin Farrell's like he's like what have I done he's like what was it something I said or something I did and then Brendan Gleeson's like I just don't like you no more and, and, you know, he explains more later, you know, he turns out he's a, he's a violinist or a fiddler and he wants to focus and he's older than, than, uh, Padraig, his name's Colm and he's older and he wants to spend his life not talking to a dullard and writing music. And, um, and, and a few things I thought about this movie, it's extraordinarily well-written. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times I don't think dark comedies are funny. I think they're good and interesting and well done, but I'm not laughing out loud at them. Very early in this movie, there were several scenes where my wife and I were just, just dying laughing. And it's usually conversations between either um, Padraig and his sister, uh, played by Carrie Condon, who was in uh, Better Call Saul, and, right, um, right. or, or uh, Padraig and Dominic. 
he he's really the the island dim yeah. with um very kyo right. and i don't know how you say his last i don't understand how you say a lot of these irish names but anyway yeah. he was fantastic he was so I, funny uh he was he was he was one of my nominations for best oh yeah he, he's and the thing is it's funny and this is how a tragic comedy is right there's there's humor but really laced mm-hmm. in underneath that humor is really deep sadness um to some of these yeah. characters i mean their lives are going nowhere they're there's quite they're lonely and there's quite a lot of loneliness in this movie um that's sort of unspoken and if you think about it they live on this island that is not populated by very many people so if you're going to like break up and first of all let's talk about like a, a, a romantic relationship where you where people break up well they sort of accept it they move on kind of go on with their lives well this didn't work out well, when you're talking about like a bromance or, or two two male platonic <laughs> friends who are breaking up, it doesn't, it, it is true. It kind of doesn't make as much sense. It's hard even for the viewer to, to follow and say like, well, that guy's kind of rude. Like, why can't he just be friends with them? Or, <laughs> know. you know, and, and he even admits, you know, later, like a little bit after that initial conversation, he says, hey, I was too harsh to you. I, and he kind of explains a little more why he made that decision. But, uh, you know, they're on this island and they're going to run into each other and it's a small island and everybody mm-hmm. talks. Um, and so yeah. it just makes for so many funny, just little scenes. Uh, but, but throughout the movie, it's not, it, it, like you say, it, it dials it up to 11. The, the tragedy really outweighs the comedy as the movie goes on. Um, yeah. And it also takes place sort of with the backdrop of the Irish civil war happening. Right. And, and it's, and it's funny because, you know, we have these two pe- friends who are who have this falling out, and with the Irish Civil War in the background, people make sort of little comments like they don't know what they're fighting fighting for anymore, or they'll only be reminded of it because suddenly someone's walking along a path and then they'll hear gunshots and you'll and they'll show the, you know, Ireland I guess across the sea there and they'll they'll be reminded oh yeah there's a war going on and it's apparently it's almost over. The movie takes place in 1923. Um, on this yeah. this fictional island, uh, and so um, anyway, well, and that that is what makes me think that the mo- the story, the actual story of the film, is not meant to be taken literally, mm-hmm. because some of the things that happen, and again, you know, we can't tell you what, almost don't make sense. They're almost too extreme when they happen to think, oh, this is, you know, this isn't, this is too much. This is, you know, not quite logical. I don't, I don't it, it almost pushes the level of believability a little too far. And I think that the reason for that is because the story is meant to be taken, not literally, but figuratively. And it's probably meant to be an echo of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have two, two friends, two, two countrymen, two brothers, however you want to interpret it. And, you know, we talk about the how this doesn't make any sense. Why are they why are they fighting? What are they fighting over? You know, and you got these these two characters who are just both kind of lovable and a little bit, you know, flawed that are that are just in this this escalating feud that makes no real sense at all. And and so because that's that's the only way I can wrap my head around what happens for like the last third of the movie. Is that this is this is meant to be an allegory, a figurative illustration of the you know it's it's a this is a beware of pride movie, yeah. 
you know, and, and all of the, the human foibles and the, the, you know, the, the terrible things that can happen when we refuse to, you know, humble ourselves. Right. I mean, it's is that, true. I don't know. Would you, would yeah, you see I, that it's differently? It's almost an allegory about the senselessness yeah. of defriending someone. And, uh, uh because <laughs> when you say that, it makes it sound like social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I'm, I'm just this trying to think of Facebook. what was the opposite of befriend. And I, that's all I could think of right then. Um, yeah. I already know if that's yeah. technically a word, but that's really what's going on here. Like turning a friend into a rival and not even so much a rival. I mean, Colm tells Patrick straight out, like he just doesn't, he doesn't want to fight with him. Right. He doesn't, he just wants nothing yeah. to do with him anymore. And, I, I love Colin Farrell's performance in this because you just see it in his eyes. And, and you know, I, one of the things that I think is interesting about the movie, and I, and I do plan to watch it again and see how I feel, is where are your sympathies supposed to lie? I, the movie generally follows Patrick, right? And he's, yeah. he's often, uh, he's in most of the scenes of the movie, actually. Um, but there's certain choices that, that he makes that are probably an overreaction to instead of just sort of accepting something like this, this horrible mm-hmm. thing that's happened to him, uh, a decision by his former friend, he he can't let it go. And he talks about it. Oh, yeah. And he, he, you look in his eyes, like trying to figure out, was there anything he did wrong? And there's a little, there's denial at first. And then there's, I mean, it's almost like he had, goes through the stages of grief. Um, sure. And I just, I love it because it's both funny and just heartbreaking. You know, and and he is, and there's certain things that well, I think Colm is right about. You know, you listen to uh, some of his conversations and the things he just doesn't know. Uh, like, for there's a scene where his his sister writes him a letter, and his sister happens to be quite smart. She's a bookworm and she's a reader, but also kind of a lonely person. And she, oh yeah, no, she's she's the one person who truly does not belong on she, that yeah. island. Yeah, and and. Yeah, and certain things happen. And she writes him a letter and she uses the word ensconced. And I love his response to her, which is like, you know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, it's not even, he just write out, you know. And so he he does kind of, you know, he's not the smartest guy, but he, he wants to be a loyal friend and he wants to understand what's happening to him. And, um, and then there's a lot of, there's friendships with animals in this movie that are, I think are key to the, to the, to the plot. Um. Right. Maybe that's an even like simpler mode of friendships. Like an animal is not going to turn on you like a human is, you know, and maybe it explains why <laughs> some of the characters in the movie have pretty close friendships with their, their loyal pets. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, you know, you use the term, you use the term heartbreaking and, and I, I 100% agree. And I think the reason that heartbreaking is such a perfect way to describe what happens in this movie is because for all of their flaws and everybody in the movie has flaws, they're good people. Mm -hmm. And, and they, you know, they're, they're real people, they're genuine people. And you can understand where they're coming from, even when they're doing dumb things, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you, you know, from a safe objective distance that, that Colin Farrell's character just needs to leave it alone and needs to give it time and walk away. But you completely understand why he keeps stumbling back in and trying to force some fix between he and he and his buddy, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so 
and on the, on the flip side, there's no reason in the world why Brendan Gleeson doesn't deserve a little time on his own, yeah. you know, and if he wants to spend some more time investing in his music and trying to make some more of his life than just kind of sitting around at the pub chatting, you know, who on earth could, could possibly disagree with that? Well, but that doesn't mean that you go to your longtime friend and say, yeah, you're a dullard. And I don't want to, I don't want to be your friend, your friend anymore. Right. So it's like, you can, you can sympathize with both characters mm-hmm. and, and simultaneously recognize that they're, they both just don't get it and and are co- constantly making their situations worse instead of better and that's i think that's what's heartbreaking because if if either one of them was completely unsympathetic it wouldn't be heartbreaking right. because they would deserve yeah. it neither neither of the characters in this movie fully deserve what happens well, that's, and and that's what makes it tragic and that's one of the magic yeah i think that's the magic of this movie is that you you, I can sympathize just as much with Colm as I can with Patrick, even though Patrick is kind of sure. the star of the movie, and it all and yeah. everything that's set in motion that the plot device is started by Colm. Like he he's the one that kind of starts this whole. Uh, I don't want to be friends anymore, and and you, you know we don't understand why. Um, the other thing I liked about it is, do you choose art if you really want to be an artist? Say like you know, a music composer, do you choose that over friendship? And it reminded me of sort of this Spielberg, Spielbergian dilemma in The Fablemans, mm. which is based originally on that speech by Uncle Boris, where he says, art will tear you apart, you know, and he gives that speech about yeah. uh, what's 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 happening and what can happen if you really be, become involved in your art. And, um you know, because it's experienced to some degree in Spielberg's life, you know, like he discovers that horrible secret about his mother through his art, um, later has a falling out and reconciliation with his father in his early, you know, Hollywood years. And um, yeah. and I and in this movie, you know, this is actually one of the explanations that Colm gives to Patrick. I mean, that he is like, he, he just wants to focus on writing and, and playing his music. And, and he feels like, it's almost as if Patrick is a time suck. It's, he's a waste of time, and and it's very offensive, of course, to hear that, right? But it there's a part of it that might be true, but maybe like he, yeah. he should value loyalty and friendship a little more than he does indeed value it. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I, I now there's, I mean, we could spin off onto an entirely new tangent on the uh, the the true and untrue stereotypes of artsy people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because there, there is a lot to think of there. And, and that, that already has me thinking of various other, you know, movies and examples and, and, and thoughts. But uh, no, I, I think kind of like I was saying before, like there, you, you can completely s- sympathize with Brendan Gleeson's character, but why don't you just say, Hey, but you know what? Give me Thursdays. Mm hmm. Leave me alone on Thursday. Let me be with my yeah, music. Yeah, you know? And I don't know. You can come back with the argument says, oh, well, if you're really going to be dedicated to your art, you have to do it 100%. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, part of it I is if it's no, no means no, right? Someone says they don't want to be friends with you anymore. It, I guess you just, just move on and try not to yeah. let it bother you and do what you got to do. But one thing I was thinking about, um, you know, the phrase, uh, you know, cut off your nose to spite your face. I think there should be a new Irish version of that phrase. <laughs> and that's as close as we're going to get to the spoiler. <laughs> yeah. So, so that one, okay. Now I think we do need to be, 
uh, a little bit more forthright with this movie um, because while I completely endorse it, uh, there there is one turd in the punch bowl that I think some of our listeners might want to be aware of before before uh, uh, checking it out. It is it is an R-rated film. Uh, it has a handful of uh, uh, a a common version of a word that typically makes something rated R, and then there's an Irish accented version of it that happens much more oh, frequently, yeah. but might not be as offensive. It, but E C K, right? Yeah. 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 yeah right. But but even that, um, I wouldn't worry about uh, endorsing. The thing the thing I would want to caution people about is that uh, there is there is a uh, it's played for laughs, but but at one point, two of the main characters have to go steal a bottle of, al- bottle of alcohol from a naked policeman, and uh, for whatever reason, they just didn't decide to go with like a tactful or discreet camera angle mm-hmm. that would have let us know the policeman is naked without kind of giving us all the evidence yes. if that is an appropriate pun and uh so yeah it's yeah that was unfortunate I just it, it led to quite a funny line in the movie and and it was but yeah they didn't need to show that um yeah well and it and and people I, need to be aware too like like you said there's the there's the naked policeman scene there's the f word variations of the f uh-huh. word in irish but also there are other there's some grotesque <laughs> things that happen in the movie that right. definitely it earns the rating, um, and they're, they're directly related to, to the plot. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not a movie for kids, and and I mean it, it's a dark comedy. It er, it earns the dark in dark yeah. comedy, I think. Oh yeah, well, and I guess that's what I would say is that I I wouldn't for a second, and I I don't think most people would assume that this is a movie for kids, but I think even adults might want to just be exactly. aware going yeah. in that. Uh, this is why this movie is rated R and uh, just just because we want to let you know and give you a uh, a complete breakdown. So I don't know. Any any final thoughts on that one or Elvis or on, uh, you know, I guess in general, I think about it. Those are two uh, probably my two favorite performances of the year. If I'm being honest, really? we're. we're Colin Farrell and Austin Butler. So, um, yeah, I mean that, that. I'm with I'm with you on Colin Farrell for yeah. sure. I'm I'm with you on him absolutely. I I mean I thought that the 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 Elvis performance was fine. It didn't leave me dazzled, mm-hmm. and so so I might have to uh, you know maybe the mute, if it's bring that one down a little bit. For but. some people, it's almost too much of an impression. And less of a mm. performance, maybe. Um, I've heard that complaint, and and um, well, but considering that there's probably no character in popular culture in the history of popular culture who has had right. more people uh, making a living impersonating. Yeah, that's a good him, point. Uh, that's it's probably going to be pretty hard to do any kind of a, you know, I mean, anything that doesn't come across as an outright cartoon is probably a success. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, it looks like we're going to be able to let you guys go with just about an hour of content instead of an hour and a half. Hopefully you uh, got all you need to make a proper evaluation on Way of Water, Elvis, and Banshees of Inishirin, as well as maybe a few other ones. And uh, we'll be looking forward to getting back in touch in a, probably a couple of weeks. I think we might wait until after Christmas and do our best movies of 2022. But in the meantime, hope you're safe and having a good holiday season wherever you're at. Treat each other well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.